do we, do we want to do this now? Do we want to jump in on the jersey debate now? No. Okay, Dean. Dean, start us off. Let's get this going. Hi there, listeners, and welcome to Speaking in Code, a rugby podcast. My name is Dean, and I'm here joined by Chris in Auckland. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and also Hayden in wintry New York City. Good evening, Dean. Good evening, gentlemen. We have quite a packed uh, episode today, lots to discuss, uh, so we'll kind of launch right into it. Um, as avid AB fans, and there's no hiding it, uh, the biggest thing on the, that we've been discussing in the last day has been the release of the new AB's jersey, one of, of course, many. And is it every two years that we get a new jersey, or is it every year at this point? I sometimes forget. I want to say every year. Every, but... It's usually every year. They reiterate it. But sometimes they don't, they don't radically change it every year. Sometimes there's only incremental changes. Yeah. So uh, this new jersey for the 2019 season uh, has been released. This won't be the same jersey as the Rugby World Cup. That will be different, even though they're both in the same year. Uh, and it was unveiled in Japan. Uh, they had a couple of models. DMAC was a model. SBW was another model. Was Kieran Reid one of the models as well? Yes. Yeah. So we brought out the A game for that. And they kind of stood around, got the picture taken. Uh, and unveiled it. Uh, for those that haven't looked at the image yet, it's sporting a white collar and looks like an All Blacks jersey fucked a bumblebee. Uh, <laughs> it's now got all kinds of weird fucking, um, I don't know, wax type bumble shit on the front of it. Mm. That's my first hot take from seeing it. <laughs> I've not touched it. Uh, and one of the biggest uh, factors of it is it's got no seams, apparently, seamless. I mean, I like all my clothing seamless, personally. Sounds yeah. seamless. Yeah. I, I, I like my clothing like my, like my food delivery apps. <laughs> that, that's only a New York niche joke. You're not going to get it anywhere else. <laughs> Uber Eats. That's some stupid <laughs> shit. Um, uh, my and also, do we want to talk about the, um, the is it outrage or faux outrage of uh, certain individuals in New Zealand um, throwing their, their toys out of the cot for having to pay $150 yeah. for uh, so, so, a, a high quality piece of uh, piece of kit. Would you agree, Chris? Well, that's, I mean, this is, this is Chris Hesley on the, on the ground here in New Zealand amongst the, the, the Glen and Glenettes who are throwing <laughs> their toys left, right and center about the cost of this thing. And we were talking just before, Hayden, this is a replica. This is a high-tech piece of equipment. If you want the replica of the high-tech high -tech piece of equipment, it's not going to cost 25 bucks unless NZIU and Adidas subsidize it so that you can buy it, which is not going to happen when you consider the cost of the alternatives. The All Blacks are a global brand. And 150 to 200 bucks is about more or less... 30% cheaper than a New York Islanders jersey replica, mm -hmm. right? The New York Islanders, who are not exactly a massive sport brand inside the United States, let alone globally, right? They're also a terrible team this year. Quite oh, yeah. the drizzling shits. Hey, man, hey, man, mm -hmm. listen, we, we, we rolled the Penguins the other day, but we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that, <laughs> you know. And hey, as we were saying before, if, if you can't pay 100 bucks, I agree, that sucks. But the replica is the replica. They have plenty of other cheaper alternatives if you want to wear the silver fern or something that says the All Blacks on it. They can't make a replica be a high-tech piece of equipment and also be 25 bucks. It can't happen. It's, it's not it's like gravity. And it's not your God-given right to get a jersey every year. It's, this, is not, this is not like a giveaway. It, like, I just, people, people, don't, people seem to think that the All Blacks are, a, are a, like, like air and water. And that we, that everything should come to them for free. The the television rights and the and the jerseys and the access right. to the All Blacks at all times. It's just it's it's bonkers. People just need to calm well, the fuck down. The the natural implication that you get here on on news, news talk ZB and you know stupid bullshit people call into losers in the middle of the day. With all due respect, <laughs> is that you know the natural implication is that they think someone is getting rich off that wedge. That's that it's taking from the mm. little guy, the guy who should not be calling. I mean, I mean you're calling News Talk ZB at two o'clock in the afternoon. You know, I mean, what the fuck are you doing? But anyway, the, the implication is that it's going somewhere. 
and they're, in their mind's eye, it's the, it's the gray-suited guy, the gray-haired, black-suited guy in Wellington who's collecting the money. No. <laughs> the reason why you have a wedge like that, and even if there's a $20, $30, $40 markup you know, on the $200 piece of kit, that money goes to feed who? What's, what's the biggest cost drag for New Zealand rugby? Dean, do you know, do you know who it is? Do you know what it is? Well, hey, do you know what it is? Shag. The biggest uh, it, cost it drag. Be, it may be Hell's Pizza and Tim Tams for Shag, but it's mostly <laughs> talent. It goes towards the player's salary. They are the biggest sure. cost factor by a country fucking mile. They're the only people in the New Zealand rugby chain, chain the value chain, the supply chain, who are getting rich. They're the only people getting rich. So the first finger that you should point at is, first of all, Adidas for making a high-tech piece of kit that's going to make them play better. And secondly, you point your finger at Karen Reed and say, do you really need to get paid $1.2 million? And then he would say, yes, I do. Do you know why? Because overseas, I can get paid $2.5 million, which brings everything back to who? Morad douchebag in the south of France who's throwing money around and everyone pushing the prices up on the entire fucking rugby cost infrastructure across is, the globe. So it's Morad's fault. My, my hot take is that these replica jerseys, I mean, they're replicas, so they're not OGs, even originals, right? They're just like knockoff kit. Fine. But why can't we have proper knockoff kit then? The ABs go after their brand like it's, uh, you know, what it's worth, which means that you can't get a cheap jersey. You can get a T-shirt with a silver fern paste on it, but that's not a jersey. You can't get a cheap version of a jersey. You can't get one like uh, a retro one. Allblacksjerseys.com are not selling replicas for 50 bucks from 1997 any longer. You have to crawl through eBay for that, right? There's not like, oh, we have a whole bunch left over from 2016. We'll just sell them a bit cheaper. This is the new brand. That's what I think uh, they should do to quiet the Glens and the Glenettes. But they sold sold out of the old ones. Did they why, why would they make old ones? Because they the have hell? a factory. Does does yeah. does, does Apple be like, oh yeah, we 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 uh, we sold out of the iPhone six, but do you want to make some more for the for the poor people? No, a factory. Well, they burn. But, but the, the difference is, Hayden, you're not sitting there going, man, I'm looking, I'm doing this on my iPhone six. Oh, it's amazing. Like you were not five minutes ago about the ninety five, ninety six all black jersey. Am I right? Yeah, but I, I paid I paid a pretty penny for this 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 style luggage jersey. I'll tell you what, on eBay, there's not many left. They're rare as hen's teeth, and I paid like 125 US dollars for this thing. So we're not talking about the same thing here. This is a collector's item. You could have the the bumblebee fucking new jersey for that. Yeah, I so I can I, have the I'm new one gonna, the old one. I'm, I'm going to swing in behind Gene, Dean here because I would 100% agree if they did. Like any NFL team, any NHL team, I'm not sure about Wendy Ball in Europe, but presumably they're the same thing. If you had like a, a level down, not replica, but kind of look like the Jersey Jersey, that would be good from a cost point of view. But one thing I did learn on Douchebag Radio yesterday, you know, <laughs> apparently there are websites that are, that are selling all black jerseys for 25 bucks. I believe that. Curious. And people are and people are all over it. People keep on calling and saying, oh, "I bought my all black jersey off of whatever the fuck website for twenty five bucks." So that was kind of like what, you know? So maybe yeah, it, it is out there, fake. but the point is, it's not from the formal channels. I don't think. Yeah. Adidas, Adidas aren't selling that, you know. Yeah. Uh, guys, speaking I think it's enough jersey talk. Yeah. Speaking of the heartland and people that call in to News Talks at B and other uh, stations, let's talk about the MPC final. You can go oh, there. Yeah. The grassroots. So, uh, listeners, if you weren't watching or paying attention to Auckland uh, v Canterbury last week on Saturday, don't worry, ESPN's still showing it uh, over here in America, but you can, uh, you can rest assured it was an amazing game. And if mm-hmm. you ever have the time, please go back and watch it. Uh, rare, rare is it, an MPC final that goes into overtime and sees a battle of wits, power, and strength from both teams uh, to eventually see a conclusion that uh, was quite matter of fact, really. Yeah, I mean the the the, the that extra like so the game itself was fantastic. I thought the the skill level was remarkably high for for domestic rugby and and also in that extra time period where it absolutely hosed down like Auckland's Auckland put on an absolute show there and the ball control from those guys in the wet thirty five phases at the end for Auckland nuts 
and and they were and there was barely a knock on, barely a, a drop pass or anything like that, and it was it was seriously impressive. Like, and I, I guess they just. I mean, that rivalry, Auckland Canterbury, like I had a quick look through the stats and, you know, we've, it's, I mean, it's been a Canterbury domination. I think they've won like 10 of the last 11 or like, anyway, I think Taranaki snuck one, snuck one in. But I mean, like, let's, yeah, let's just, you know, that's, it is the NPC, but still. um, No, 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 stop. I'm going to have to stop you right there. That's just disgraceful. I'm going to have to stop you right there. What? They've dominated it. Every year, bar one or two or three, since it stopped mattering. The yeah. MPC okay, fine. Fine. was 1976 to 2005. Yeah. It was a glorious 30-season period where we had the dominant, the preeminent domestic competition on the planet. 2006, they screwed the structure up. They, made, they went into the two-pool thing, and then they started screwing the structure up the next five or six years after that. They made it amateur, and then initially since then, it's become semi-pro again. And they've taken the All Blacks right out of it. You often don't get super rugby players who play it anymore. Canterbury have only dominated it since it's become the shadow competition piece of shit. And now since they played like twice a week, they play on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Wednesdays. It's not what it was. I'm not giving Canterbury kudos for fucking anything. Auckland won that thing 15 out of 30 times, and it was amazing. Back when it mattered. Back when it mattered. Yeah, but before you Kanye'd me, Chris, I was going to say... Going back, going back before the 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 fuckery of of the NPC, Auckland Canterbury still fierce rivalry. I mean, we played. So I further dug into the stats. We've won. So we've um, Auckland Canterbury have won forty eight games each and playing each other with twelve draws in history. That's pretty. That's that. That's definitely a rivalry right there. I mean, if we're if we're talking fifty fifty wins right there, and then also, um, I mean, Canterbury winning recently, like you said, doesn't matter as much because of the the lack of lack of sort of a serious competition. But I mean, you can see what it meant to the to the Auckland players to win that at the end. I mean, that was that was pretty awesome, and we were we were twenty twenty points to seven down at halftime. I mean that's that's a comeback and a half, and also we have the other stat that I, I quite enjoyed was that we've ne- Auckland has never lost an NPC final at Eden Park. Boom. Yeah, I I also like that stat. That's a nice one. You Taylor Swift looking motherfucker. Could <laughs> have stopped you there. Um, no, but I, I did. Um, what do we think of uh, what do we think of Plummer? 20 years old. Yeah, that, that boy looked like he should, he should have been uh, using his head to clean the toilet. I mean, he, he, he's a young-looking kid. Seemed all right. Didn't really stamp his control on the game. But you, you could say the same thing for the Canterbury 10, and yep. he's an all-black this week. Yep, exactly. So let, I thought, let, let me, I thought can I ask a question how that works? Uh, I mean, let, do you want to – should we touch on – If we're going to – Let's, yeah, touch, on, let's uh, touch on two things. Number one is, is – uh, um, uh, you are. Um, what's his face? Um, Yuani. Akira, Akira, the I'm almost looking like a samurai Polynesian. <laughs> yeah, boy played a huge game, and I don't know what he's done to piss off someone in AB's camp, but he did it. And uh, and for love nor money, he, it seems like he's going to keep proving himself uh, to a level and degree that has even uh, Chris Rapp confused on, uh, on on the Herald. We put in a huge effort, huge effort in that game. Scoring at least one try, in my memory. Yeah. I think he scored two, didn't he? Mm. I mean, he, it, he, he, he was immense. He, he was huge. But you know what, though? I'm going to do a, a, a complete 180 on this one, if you'd believe it. So I was banging the drum all week. How's Akira not in the in the All Blacks for Japan? I mean, I'm in the All Blacks for Japan. Dean, are you playing this weekend? I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get a run out. I'm just going to get a cap. Yeah. But then I then I stopped and I and I watched this game a third time, right? And and one thing I watched was his bottom half. And do you know what his bottom half remind me about, boys? You know what? Is, you know what I thought about when I when I looked at his bottom half. Sevilla's ass. Was it the size of his ass? You know what his ass and his leg look like? 
They look like Billy Von Napolas. <laughs> and you remember my opinion on Billy Vonapola? He's one of the best eights in the world playing in the England shirt in the England high season in the cold and the wet and the slow as fuck Six Nations, right? You don't really need to be fit. You can just be huge. So you could make an argument that Akira Yuani, if he was playing in the Six Nations, he would, first of all, he would be playing. He'd, play, he'd, he'd slot in to the England team. He'd slot into the French team. And he would look amazing playing their style. But you've got to wonder, with his huge fat ass and his huge legs, you've got to wonder, would he ever be able to do more than 15 minutes in Test Rugby? NPC, fine. Super Rugby, he, he, he punches above his weight in terms of his fitness. But at test level, playing the way the All Blacks want to play, he doesn't look like Karen Reed. You know, look at Karen Reed's legs. Look at his ass. Mm-hmm. You don't see him just kind of just ambling from ruck to ruck, which I saw Akira do upon a third watch of this game. In the, yeah, he you looked know, tired. Very he did. tired. Yeah. How about that Canadian bloke? That guy's Ooh. amazing. That guy's immense. Hot, yeah. hot damn. If that's reflective of what the Canadians are starting to look like, then woe betide, you know, the rugby world if they're going to start putting that out. Yeah, he's quality. Um, and did you see that guy, uh, Siu? The, the, you the place for the Chiefs, I think? Oh, when he, he bumped off that, uh, that, that tackle and he went flying back about 15 feet. He, he's six foot eight, 910 kgs, that dude. He is a monster. And he just comes, he, he comes off the bench. I'm surprised. He's, I think he starts for the Chiefs. Well, maybe maybe he's off the bench for the Chiefs, but he, you know, he's playing for Auckland, so I don't know. Um, I've read a lot of articles about uh, the Auckland team uh, getting a lot of their uh, current um, current plays, current team cohesion from uh, Ted's involvement. Mm-hmm. Ted's back in the squad. He was recruited by uh, the current coach, um, who I've now forgotten. Ermia. Yep, that guy. And he brought him in. Uh, and uh, the idea of having you know, a, a coach that's been around uh, for a while, has seen a lot of different things, uh, and then bringing in that legacy of how rugby um, used to be played, a lot of teams, and how Ted has, has re-structured, kind of structured, I guess, uh, rugby coaching, especially in New Zealand, and bringing that focus to Auckland has obviously uh, meant a lot of success for that team. Um, and uh, Philo Tiati is the forward coach. Last from the past, right there. Mm. Played played one All Black game, I think. He's a poor man. He's a taller marker. I mean, a lot. But, you know the a scary lot of thing, Wellington. Though, is there is a lot of Wellington, and it'd mm-hmm. be worth worth noting that Ted originally from Christchurch. The scary thing about Ted is is this: Auckland have won two NPCs. So since Ted has been involved in the Auckland setup, I think Auckland have won the NPC or the national. Championship because it was the NPC in 2005. I think we've won it like 12, 13, maybe 14 times. All but two of those times, Ted was involved in some capacity. Mm. So I wonder at 72, what's going to happen when he's 92, kicks it, and we have to be in the world with that Ted? I don't, I don't like that word, man. I don't like it at all. It's, it, it frightens it, me. It, it troubles me. Yeah. yeah. If I can't go down Tamaki Drive and see him wheeling his kids, what's it all for? Grandkids, sorry. Mm. Too old for that now. Have you seen him, Chris? Ted? Yeah, we had crumpets yesterday. <laughs> no, I haven't fucking seen Ted. He's out on, like, Waiheke. That's where he is now, because his house is saying, how do you spot on the cliff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listeners, if you don't know who the Mad Butcher is, that's okay. Uh, just quickly type in the Mad Butcher in New Zealand and be in for a wild ride. Uh, it's an exciting time. But they both live on an island called Waiheke, which is in, uh, in Auckland. Uh, let's pivot away from the MPC uh, and Ted and uh, go back to last weekend's games. Aside from the MPC, uh, we saw the All Blacks play the Australian Wallabies in Japan, uh, which proved to be an interesting affair. Uh, the ABs had a very different strategy than they have in the Rugby Championship. They played a slow, steady, considered game uh, until the final, I would say, 20 minutes where they kind of let it go into fifth gear uh, and uh, they reaped the results for it. Uh, there were a couple of things obviously came out of it. Uh, so I'm going to start off with uh, probably my favorite part of the game, uh, which is when Latu got a yellow card uh, and then Cairns spat the dummy. Um, Chris, do you want to take us through what happened? <laughs> oh, mate, it would be my absolute 
fucking privet. <laughs> so as we saw on TV, Scrum collapses. The Wallabies shit the bed at Scrum time, which they have a habit of doing. Cody Taylor stalks forward as Latu backs up out of the scrum, and he's stalking with menace. He looks like, you know, he looks like a like a Bay Ridge pimp, sort of walking towards a target. <laughs> he was just walking with the strut. Comes forward, does a hard push on the chest of of Latu, who then immediately does an open handed slap punch to the face and puts his little finger in, in Cody's mouth too, um, just for good measure. Back in the day. 20 years ago, even amongst 12-year-olds, that may have not even been a penalty, right? Southern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere listeners may not know this, but we tend to let things go. We tend to live and let live, and things just tend to sort themselves out. I know that really runs anathema for you because you want to hear pings and referees and whistles, and that's how you get your rocks off, but that's fine. Of course, what happened was Taylor got a, a penalty, which was then reversed, and then Latu was given a yellow card because it was a retaliatory action and he struck to the face. There have been incidences like this in Northern Hemisphere rugby where by the letter of the law, people in Latu's position have been given red cards. It is a red card offense to strike someone in the face, right? That's in the world where on paper rules and people can't make their own decisions like refs, right? What then came after that um, was Phil Kearns apparently on their commentary, which is always worth a good laugh, completely lost his, as he tends to do, lost his, his, his rag and said it all about the All Blacks getting a free ride and this and that and how life is unfair and how his wife doesn't love him and all this kinds of shit, right? <laughs> what this tends to omit, and we didn't really see this on the TV, but you'll see it if you rewind and watch the scrum as it comes out, is that Latu punched Cody Taylor as they came out of the scrum, right? So he initiated it. He did an action which was worse than the one he got pinged for, but yet somehow, you know, in his demented little brain, I also noticed that Michael Checker didn't bring this up either. Again, it doesn't suit their argument, right? It's the All Blacks are the ones that, uh, you know, get a free ride. And not the Wallabies, an in, in eerily reminiscent um, equivalent of what Michael Brow did to Frank Bunce in 1996, went completely fucking bananas, punched someone, and then largely got away with that. That motherfucker should have got a red card. All right? Hey, that's just my two cents. I put myself back on mute. <laughs> I mean, th- this one is so clear to me. So, so Cody Taylor pushes Lato in the, in, the, in the chest, which referee sees it. That's a penalty. You can't push someone in the chest. Fine. Whatever. You move on. Lato, because he's an absolute idiot, regardless of the fact that he punched Cody Taylor in the scrum, like Chris said, in his retaliatory action, where in plain view of everyone, hits him and like pushes him in the face. Regardless, you push him in the face, that's going to be a yellow card. I don't care. Like it doesn't matter if it was a, a slap or whatever. You make contact with your hand on someone's face like that, you're going to get a yellow. It's not even like it, it, it's so clear cut. It's unbelievable. I don't even understand why this is even being talked about. And then, <laughs> and then the French and then the French ref just to top it all off goes. Face on the hand, yellow card. <laughs> I was like, yes, face on the hand. <laughs> initially, um, it was more of a punch slap in, in the scrum. When he did that, if you look carefully at the footage, Latu was staring directly at the ref, waiting for the ref to look away from the scrum, which he did. The ref looked, put his foot down and looked at where his foot to blew his whistle. And it's at that point that he then struck. Yeah. He, he, he was waiting for the ref to look the other way. He did it. And then, uh, you know, it all kind of escalated from there. Uh, we need some anger management. Uh, luckily, He's an idiot. Tax sport. I, 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 I'd just like to say this to Phil Kearns while I'm just finishing my, my, my piece up on this. Fuck you, you fat fuck. Sean Fitzpatrick thinks he's fat, and so do I, bitch. Uh, yeah, no, we brilliant. didn't touch on this, but the result for that game was 37-20 to 20 to the All Blacks. Uh, was there anything else from that game that we thought was remarkable? Anything that we particularly enjoyed watching? Yes. I want to call out, I've got a few things here. First of all, uh, can we just say for the record, uh, Chris, you called this game that we'd lose. So you were wrong. I called the game uh, 38 points to 20, which is off by one point. So I'm doing pretty well. Also, um, just want to call out um, after (laughs) after Chris's tirade at Sonny Bill Williams last week, uh, two offloads I counted. Um, so Sonny Bill's back 
special how offloads? Many like, <laughs> were, were they special offloads, Hayden, or were no, they were no. they offloads that, that my little sister could have done? Yeah, you know? they were terrible. They were awful. Um, but I, I, still, I thought he was shit. Yeah, he was terrible. I, I thought he was terrible. I, mean, I, I I'm just winding up on that one. But um, you you did the score. Your score prediction was terrible. Let, let's admit that. Well, to, to be fair, <laughs> the scoreline was immensely flat, flattering to the All Blacks. I agree. Take away the last 15 minutes, and there were periods in that game where the, where the Wallabies were starting to really tear the All Blacks up. We have to admit that. I mean, the game lacked intensity overall. I mean, you, like when Kieran Reid scored his try, like normally Kieran Reid gives off a little bit of a smile, a cheeky smile when he scores a try. Kieran Reid put the, put the ball down, and he's like, yeah, he just had no expression on his face and then just like jogged back. And I was like, well, that, that sums up, first of all, this game. And it, I think it also, not, a little bit of a nod to how, I don't think these teams like each other at all. Like there's no, when the Springboks and the All Blacks play, you can feel there's a lot of respect. There's a lot of um, camaraderie between the two teams. Between the All Blacks and the Wallabies, I don't see it at all. I don't think they like each other. I don't, I don't think they... After the game, there's a few handshakes, but and you know a few bro handshakes every now and then. But apart from that, just I don't see the respect there at all. Yeah, um, man. T- 2008 called it. It wants its revelation about the All Blacks and the Wallabies back. I know, but like you, you would think like from an outside, I bet, I bet a lot of people from the outside look at this and go, "Yeah, All Blacks and Wallabies. I mean, they're mates off the field, blah blah." blah. No, I don't nah. see it at all. And in this game, this third bladder's low is really just becoming a. Well, it's already a, Oregon's already a fast, but it just it just I, every time I watch it, I don't like it. I got to appreciate. I got to say, I, I didn't appreciate the All Blacks' reactions to a lot of the Wallabies in this game. The All Blacks are the good guys, right? We are not mm. the Oakland Raiders. We are not the <laughs> insert anti-hero team here, right? Who the acts like dick, right? We are not Team U Oracle, Team USA. You know, the All Blacks are the team of the people. They're not the highly paid douchebag team. They're not England, right? And yet, you saw Rico Ioane after he scored his try at the end, mm. sneering and taunting at, at Bernard Foley. And mm-hmm. there were various other bits and pieces like that throughout the game that did not make the All Blacks look good at all. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Dean, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know if I'd go quite that far, but I will say this. Australia have long... Uh, well, Australian... And I'm not just going to limit it to rugby players. Australian cricketers have had this as well. They give out a lot. But they don't like taking any of it. No. Sledge on the field. They'll make snide comments. They'll um, say stuff in meetings. They'll, they'll throw their hands up, get really upset. If you ever come back and be like, you score something in front of them and sneer at them or, or like have a joke or pat them on the back, they'll, they'll shirk it off and they'll, they'll, they'll spit the dummy. Right? And that's the kind of general feel I get from, from this team. And I kind of want to blame Gregan. I'm putting it out there. Ever since he's been in the squad, they've all been bags of dicks. What? I've long what a scholar. <laughs> That's 110 percent correct. 110 percent. I've long believed that he he's spoiled the well there. He's patient zero. He's poisoned it, <laughs> and it just kind of fed and bled out. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I I do I do believe that the blood is low still important, and I do like where its position is in the calendar. I think it's an important game for us um, to switch things up, knowing that the Australians are often firing at that time. All uh, also leaves us vulnerable, which is good. I think knowing that and knowing how to prepare for it and factoring that into our schedule is actually beneficial. I really enjoyed that it was in Japan this time. I think that's good for our future, uh, for our playing style. So all in all, um, I, I took a lot from the game and I, it was quite positive. They did, co- they did come at it with a different game plan. They were methodical. Uh, there were parts where they looked a bit shaky, but for the most bit, they were um, patient. They went through the motions. They knew what they were going to do. They were essentially just being a bit like an anaconda or a python, they were squeezing the life out of Australians, knowing that they will capitulate, which they, they did. They did, um, and uh, went and did the business. One thing that we can all agree, though, from the game, there was some interesting marketing that happened <laughs> in the field. Yes. Is Japan ready to host the Rugby World Cup? I mean, I don't know about you guys, because, I mean, Dean, obviously you and I watched the same um, broadcast. Chris, I'm not sure if you saw the same as what we saw, but on ESPN. So I'm just going to go through a few things that that absolutely puzzled me about this game. So, first of all, ESPN started the broadcast uh, this uh, immediately after the Haka, which was, um, which was you know, Annoying. great. 
Um, second of all, referee's wearing a GoPro. I know the referees normally sometimes wear GoPros and stuff, but he looked like some kind of weird Quasimodo when he was wearing it, which was just utterly strange. And any GoPro footage you get out of normally, like at scrum time, is just shaky and just terrible. So I don't know why they do that. Third thing, um, the commentary was oddly sparse. Like it was only they only had one comment that uh, the Aussie guy, um, the Aussie Nisbo, basically the oh, um, like, uh, what's his uh, name? Gordon Bray. Yeah, so he was he was just like he would say stuff, and then where you'd expect the secondary, the Kearns, the um, the Justin Marshall say to come in and, and provide some extra color. There was nothing. So there was these long periods of just silence. It was really strange. And the scoreboard looked like it was from about 1996, the design, which was just, again, really strange. The crowd was the, – so, so, like, the field was kind of in focus and in color. And in the background, the, the crowd was completely washed out. You couldn't see it. Like, it was, like, way too bright. And then the green screen, which Dean touched on, which was just a shambles. Like, it was on top of the players, essentially. Um, and then the field kind of like completely destroyed itself in scrum time and, and it was an absolute mess and people were falling over. There was a, a giant divot down by the try line. So overall, not impressed, Japan. Need to, need to up your game on the broadcasting and on the, um, the, uh, the ground. And Chica was sitting by himself. Yeah, that was really <laughs> noticeable. Not only just by himself, but also no fans wanted to sit next to him. <laughs> the coach's box was there with like rows of empty seats. Yeah. Switched to the All Blacks where they had, you know, a Shag and the rest of the coaching staff and then yeah. filled with seats with coach. With, um... And that's a cultural thing, right? When you, you see in, in Asia, when you see someone lose their shit, you take it <laughs> as like a shame on you that you were around them lose their shit. And then you get the fuck out of Dodge, right? No, there was one, it was funny because there was like one, did you see that like one Japanese lady yeah. who was like behind him and she looked so awkward. She was like scared of this like crazy Australian <laughs> And Okay, this is something that I've been puzzling me for a while. Whenever they switched to Chica in the coaching box, there was one guy and it was the only guy sitting near Chica as part of the coaching staff. This guy looks like he is 21. He can't <laughs> grow a beard. He's overweight just like Chica. It actually looks like Chica's son. And it confuses me every single time I see him because he looks moody and confused and really not sure what's happening. But he knows he just has to look at the laptop and type every once in a while. What is this guy's role in the Australian coaching outfit? Oh, please tell me. Dude, I know his role. I know his role. He's the guy who takes care of the little waving kitty that they have in the commentary box in every game. So he carries it in a, in a little briefcase, like the, the football for the nuclear codes for the, for the US, you know? <laughs> and then he opens it with keys, and then he pulls the kitty out, he puts the battery in, and then he puts it in front of check, and that's why we see that motherfucking thing in every game. So looking it up right now, Australian rugby coaches, because I swear to God, every time I see him, I'm like, who? Who is that person? How did he get that role? What on earth? What on earth does this man do? Oh boy, I, I swear. Like, I just, I'm so confused. I'm assuming he's the video tech or something like that. It's like when yeah. they used to have that tubby white palm analyst in the all-black box who looked like he was about 30. And then somehow that guy got a job as the Blues forward coach, despite just being the analysis guy for the all-blacks. <laughs> but I don't want to have an aneurysm today by talking about the Blues. <laughs> oh, dear. <sighs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, we, we're putting the, uh, the fact that the feed was Japanese in, in origin, right? That was coming to ESPN? Mm, I think so. Yeah, there was a lot of local issues, but they're symptomatic of something larger here in that for a long time, people intimate with the game in Japan and particularly the fish heads in Japan, the administrators, they have said quite loudly, but they tend to get ignored because you know how rugby journalists are. They only really will print and publish things that fit their narrative. But the, the general consensus from people who are in the know over there is that the Japanese administrators, Japanese fish heads, have absolutely no idea what they're doing. The game is administered, administered in an absolutely shambolic fashion in Japan, apparently. That's what I'm told on and on and on again by people who are up there sort of ensconced in it. And that they should have never been given the World Cup because they're just going to make a complete meal of it. And this came out after we were, New Zealand, were awarded the 2011 World Cup 
quote unquote, at Japan's expense. Ignoring the fact that Japan, that New Zealand was the most economically viable as analysed at the time, that tends to get ignored by UK journalists because again, it doesn't suit their narrative. All in the name of you know giving it to Japan would grow the game. Oh, what a shame! It didn't go to Japan; it would have grown the game. Despite the fact that, particularly at that time, there even were articles that said they were not up to it, and there are people that are even now say these guys aren't up to it. And we saw that with their stadium debate, right? When they was, was turning out that they weren't going to have mm. a stadium ready, you know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm quietly dreading, and I really hope this isn't the case. I hope they put on a fantastic job, and I wish them all the best. But the little voices in my head are starting to crank up again, and the chatter on, on the on the line, you know, the chatter on the line is starting to crank up again. These guys may outside chance, but it's getting bigger every day. Might put on an absolute shambles, which is going to look really bad for the sport. Yeah. Right, well, sticking with the Rugby World Cup, let's do some really future uh, prediction, and only really on just one specific thing, because um, then we're going to pivot back to the Autumn Internationals. Ireland, they are second in the world rankings at the moment, and, um, you know, dutifully so. You know, they, they put in the hard yards this year for it. Do you think they have the depth to win the Rugby World Cup? Regardless of the fact they're a terrible tournament team. But do they have to play a depth? No. Mm. No, they don't. Look at who they're replacing Conor Murray with this weekend. Yeah. You know, no, they, they absolutely do not. And we saw that at the last World Cup. They went from being one of the favoured teams, and then in the space of three weeks, they were a shit show who got spanked by the Argentines. You know, all it takes, all it would take is a situation where, and remember the big teams now have the same schedule as the smaller teams, if they play a team on a, on a Monday and then play another team on a Wednesday or a Thursday or whatever, and these guys get injuries from that, by the time the quarterfinals draws around, they're not going to have the cards in the deck, I don't think. Thoughts? I mean, I mean Conor, Conor Murray's had this neck injury, right? And so he's he hasn't played he hasn't played in a while, has he? And they're talking about him making his comeback game against us. So he's going to be rusty as shit, and they're going to bring him straight back in because they don't have anyone better. Um, yeah, I'm not uh, not confident with with uh, his um, with Ireland's depth. I mean, yeah, I still think it's going to be the best game of the tour, but should be. I mean, it's it's helped by the fact that it's the second game for them, third game for us. If we met them first up, if we caught them on the hop. And I remember saying the same thing about the Chicago game because it was the same situation and then ruining the comment. But logic should dictate that the first game of the year, you'll be rusty, right? Um, and they won't have the, the motivation to fall back on like they did with Chicago mm-hmm. uh, with the, the passing of, of poor Anthony Foley. You know, they're not going to have that to, to fall back on. Um, there might be a lot more pressure associated with doing it at home, whereas for them there was absolutely no pressure in Chicago, right? I think we're going to see, eventually when it comes, I'll make the prediction now, we're going to see a very similar game, very similar scoreline to Dublin just two weeks after Chicago. Three tries mm. to none. They put up a big fight, but they never really look like scoring. And that's the problem with the Irish. They never really look like scoring maybe more than one, sometimes if they're lucky, two tries. They're a boring team. Remember, this is Joe Schmidt. You know, Joe Blue's back on Killer Schmidt. He doesn't know how to coach the backs. The attack in these teams are generally pretty woeful. It's mm. a good prediction, Hayden. Your prediction for for that game, and this could change week on week. We'll, we'll do we'll do rolling predictions. But Wait, we'll it's Ireland game in the weeks to come. I'm not I'm not I'm not predicting that far out. This is like weather forecast. All right, Hayden, you're out. My prediction <laughs> for that game is that we'll we'll win it, but we'll only win it in the last five, ten minutes. Like, that's when we'll pull ahead. I think we're going to be behind by three points for most of that game. I think they're just going to be... We're just going to be pinged all over the show for stupid errors that we don't need to make, and they're just going to keep kicking the goal. Every time, kicking the goal. And it's just going to keep ranking up, and then we'll score a try, but that's all right, because they've scored, you know, uh, five penalties by then, and it's just going to keep going on like that uh, until the final five, ten minutes when we're going to pull ahead. That is my prediction. Um, but let's yeah. look ahead to 
I think that's a fair prediction, dude. I, I think it's either going to be, uh, I, I, you know, if I if you took mine away, my outlook game, that would probably be the one that I would go with. But you got to wonder at, at some point, at some point, a lot of these laws, at some point, they're going to get it right, and teams that rely on penalties and milking penalties are going to have their, you know, they'll be standing up there with their dick in their hand, not knowing what to do. At some point, team, teams like Ireland, and to be fair, England's not really like this that much anymore, but they are for the most part. They're going to actually have to, at some point, learn how to attack, how to do the ball skill things under pressure and score five-pointers. At some point, these teams are going to get found out for the stupid bullshit, right? At some point, there's going to be a push from lawmakers to expand in new markets. Because again, our hypothetical American neutral, Brian S., doesn't want to watch that stupid shit. He doesn't want to watch it. At some point, they're going to need to really try and figure this out. Because, like, you know, Ireland, it might be fun and passionate, and they're a very fun and passionate team, but that their way of playing is the utter drizzling shits. With yep. all due respect. Do we want to, have, do we want to talk about um, the, uh, the controversial new biography of E. Jones? You want to hear about this? Oh, God, no. <laughs> um, a- apparently, he's a real asshole. <laughs> Never would have guessed. Do you remember when he was, ju- when he, I think he just became coach for the England squad year, uh, a couple of years ago now? And some, out of nowhere, he got a, bla- a black eye. And he's like, oh, yeah, uh, like, <laughs> yeah, shower. It's like, no, dude, you, you definitely got punched in the face by someone. You won't admit who it is, but it's probably someone close to you. And uh, they just give up on your bullshit. Well, it looks like most of the stories from um, from the biography. Um, I mean, he's known for his infamous uh, sprays um, where he just blows up at some. I, I still, you know, I look at Eddie Jones. He's he's not a big man. I I if he started yelling at me, I'd just be like, start laughing. No, dude, he, he was a test front row. He'd kill you. Would he would fucking kill you. He would absolutely guess, end you. I guess I haven't seen I haven't seen him in person. You know, like you see people on TV and you get this kind of unrealistic expectation of what they are, and then you see them in person. Like, oh shit, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, put another way, he's made Owen Finnegan cry in person. So what is what do you think he's yeah, going to do to you? <laughs> I mean, I'm not employed by him, so yeah. Um, if he just starts yelling at me personally, I mean, I'm not going to really just go. We're going to pivot to the game that he's coaching this yes. uh, weekend. England versus South Africa, which is definitely the game to watch this weekend if you are a neutral. Uh, not necessarily because of the, uh, the great ball skills on hand, but because of uh, the Titans. They are playing for the fourth time this year after um, uh, they, England went down to South Africa and lost 2-1. to one. Uh, And many, many people would say that due to England's... Uh, current injury woes that there's almost no pressure for them to win they're almost expected to lose at this point this game um but i would say to that uh there are three i think crucial players in the south african outfit two of which are you know the people that control the south african uh, game after clerk and willie larue without them south africa almost toothless uh so i think it's going to be an interesting game i think south africa is going to come hard hitting, because that's what they do, right? Etzebeth will be in the front, Neymar will come on, all of that. Uh, they'll push it, but will they be creative on the wing? I don't know. Will they be able to drive the game? I don't think so. Have they ever been creative on the wing? <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, so, I mean, Marks will be playing, Creel will be playing, they'll get, they'll get some punch-throughs, but it, it's, it'll be an interesting, because where England is lacking in this, in this particular game with their uh, forward pack, uh, being mostly decimated uh, and young caps. I think there's three in the the scrum that's only had five caps each, something like that. Uh, so it's not a depth of experience. Um, but then you could say the same for some of their, their backs. Actually, Ben Teo's only played, was it three games in the last year? 20 minutes of rugby, something like that? Well, I think the big, the, the I mean, the big call is Owen Farrell starting at, at 10, isn't it? Mm. Can he switch? Well, I mean, Eddie, Eddie has not used him at all at 10. He's used him at 12 outside of, um, what's his face? Uh, God, I've got a complete blank. Anyway. The, the little cracker-ass white boy who looks like yeah. he's on the scouts. Yeah, that guy. 
Um, yeah, nondescript and, can't remember his name. Yeah, and uh, guess who? Guess who's back? It's the, it's the the um, the the swimmer, Tuilagi. Um, they've they've pulled him back from injury, uh, onto the bench as well. So, see how that liability goes. Boy gets a yellow or gets injured inside of ten minutes. <laughs> I mean, if he, even, yeah. I mean, they'll bring him on. They'll, they'll bring him on at seventy minutes and see what happens. But, um, yeah, we'll see what I mean, uh, we'll see how Farrell goes. I mean, it's going to be that. That pretty much dictates how their backline's going to play, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think they're going to win. I, I think so injuries, I. you know, England and the All Blacks are the only teams which can take, uh, in, uh, you know, uh, injury decimations. Even when England are not good, one of their strengths is their depth, particularly in the forwards, right? And then what do we know about South Africa? You know, you go back to their last good-ish season. It was actually a great season, but the last season that was at least as good as this one for them was 2009. Well, actually 2014 probably make a better argument, but... The point is, in both those instances, but particularly in 2009, they looked like world beaters through August, September. And then by the time November rolled around 2009, they lost every single one of their games, I think, including tour games during the week. You know, and that was before they had players that, that couldn't play, right? You know, as Dean, you were saying before about the Fafta Kirk, Kirk uh, bullshit situation. So we know in November, the, the wheels completely fall off these guys. They get tired. They don't get managed in the same scientific way that the All Blacks get managed through the year. So they've, they've kind, they kind of lose their pop by, by November. But the thing they have going for them, again, as I said before, is that this is England's first game. And again, like the All Blacks, the English team struggles to get through the gears in November. Their first games are usually pretty insipid. That said, I think England is still going to win this weekend. Close, though. Close. But it's not going to wow anyone. I agree. I'm thinking something around seventeen, eleven. They'll be. It'll be within within that within a converted try. Um, so it'll be a tense game, but I, I just don't see. It's not going to be exciting. It's not going to be convincing for 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 England when they do win. But at this point, they will take a victory over a Southern Hemisphere team any day of the week. Well, I'll be very, and then I think the Southers will win by three points, and it'll right. be. Something- Bullshit, like eighteen to twenty-one, and they'll only have one try each. Well, there we go. Yeah. Gross. That's gross. <laughs> and listen, to be fair, it's not about tries. Like one of the misnomers that you know the 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 sort of the you know again mostly English press, but it happens elsewhere too. Says you know, oh, your Southern Hemisphere guys, they just like lots of tries. That's not true. If you have a game where there are no tries scored. But there's a lot of ambition, there's a lot of skill, there's a lot of fast movement, but it's just matched by equally fast and ferocious defense. That's fantastic. That's great. Mm-hmm. You know, tries, it's kind, of, it's kind of an arbitrary measure in that regard, right? But it's, it's about the intent and it's about the skill. Go back, go back and watch 2006, um, second Bledisloe in Brisbane, which was one try to nothing, but it was unbelievably intense, not some insipid, drop goal, you know, people walking from ruck to ruck bullshit. Mm-hmm. Anyone interested in the other games? Well, yeah, I was going to say bring it full circle. Uh, I'm not interested in Wales and Scotland uh, no. uh, or discussing it, but uh, the, uh, the baby All Blacks are playing in Japan uh, and they're playing against what I assume would be a full strength Japanese team. Uh, the reason I call it the baby All Blacks it's not to obviously insult any of the All Blacks. It's a tremendous honour to put on that jersey, uh, but the uh, the entire uh, forward pack uh, is is awfully young. The backs aren't so much. A lot of a uh, lot of uh, skill and uh, and caps and, and stuff in there, but uh, the forward pack uh, not so much. Oh, I say a lot. I don't know. Uh, Moang is playing. Jordy Barrett hasn't had that many caps. That random dude is uh, is debuting at 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 uh, center. So Triple T's only got one cap, right? And then Chris is coming off the bench, isn't Ooh. he? <laughs> Ooh, Matt Matt Proctor. Matt Proctor actually deserves it. He's been in an unlucky situation where he's played the house down now for a few seasons, but you know was initially behind you know Conrad and Matanonu, and now he's been behind this raft of new superstars, the ALBs, the good hues of the world. 
he's an uh, he's deserving of a cap. I'm actually really pleased for Matt Proctor on this. Good Auckland boy. Is he? Who yeah. plays for plays for Wellington? Yeah. Well, he's an Auckland boy though. There we go. I mean, that, but that's that's New Zealand rugby, isn't it? Auckland makes him, everyone else nicks him, and then calls Auckland assholes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the world. <laughs> Couple players that I'm excited to see that haven't played in the All Blacks Alpha while in this game: uh, the Scud Missile and Dane Coles. Uh, sadly for Scudder, there's been a lot of chat this last week. I think his agents really been trying to sell him out to different areas in Europe. So this might be the last time we see him in All Blacks jersey. Who knows? Um, Which is a shame, man. That's a real shame. I, I, I'd, put, I'd have him ahead of Tits for Hands and Holo any day of the week. He is an immense point of difference. He is that Jason Robinson style of mm-hmm. breaking a game open. You know, look at the World Cup when we, we had him, we played him a lot in first receiver. Mm-hmm. It changed to the point of attack and it was incredible. Naholo can't do any of that. Naholo, you just give him the ball and broken play and he uses his speed to tear shit up. Anything else other than that, he's useless. He's completely tits on a ball, you know? Mm. No, I agree. Yeah. But I mean, he's, he's had, what, multiple injuries in the last couple of years. Uh, he's, he's struggled to come back into form only because sometimes he's rushed it and then it's caused a further injury. But his, uh, yeah, his, his dynamism off the ball and his stepping is oh, beauty, poetry in motion. Yeah, he's going to um, Toulon, isn't he? It's, it's not a rumor. Yeah, it's all, it's all rumors, but um, I, I, I would not be surprised if at the end of this year uh, yeah. or beforehand that gets announced. He should go get some cash money. Yeah. Uh, Luke Whitelock, captain. Yeah, big shame. Uh, I will be very interested to see how Triple T and Moanga uh, kind of direct this pack or direct this game. Very interested. Well, you know, Trips, he, he's got a, he hasn't really had a shot, and somehow he seems to basically have lucked into the nine, the third nine spot for the World Cup because there's not enough time now to pick anyone else and let them have a go. There's, he's actually running out of time. So yeah. he's got it serendipitously, and so he needs to repay that faith by having a blinder because I have no idea whether he has what it takes. Mind you, we're not going to learn that against Japan, but, you know, you never know. I mean, if he has a reasonable – him and him Moanga have a reasonable game, then uh, I think that'll keep Shag pretty happy. And then, I mean, predicting a score in this game is just a bit of a crapshoot. I mean, we, we could put 50 on them. We could put – it could be a little closer – you know, we, we could you know, it could be a tight first half, and then we and then we sort of ease away in, in the in the in early in the second, and then the last twenty minutes a bit of a shambles as the as the the benches get emptied. But I mean, forty Japan, points of twelve. Sure, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd, something about that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun watch. Or do you think the Japanese could beat us? No, no, no. zero chance. Let, listen, let, let's put something to bed now. That, that South African disgrace wasn't yeah. exactly that, a disgrace. To this day, and you can talk about Eddie Jones, you can talk about how disciplined the Japanese were, you can talk about that all, all we want, but they should have thrashed that team, right? They should have. That team was not great. I don't know how that happened. It defies logic. You know, they're not that good a team. They don't have the players. I think the chances of Japanese beating even this raggedy-ass 15 from the All Blacks, which really should be termed a junior All Blacks 15 with the three white stripes down their, down their shoulders, I'd put it at one in a million shot. And I'd pay that out. No, sorry, I didn't say that. I, just, <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Goodness don't you me. owe me a kebab, Chris? Uh, I, I, maybe. I just don't recall. I don't think there's any record of that. You know? <laughs> I, I, I just love it because... It's recorded on the internet, and 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 I can taste that that the sweet kebab. The you know how the cheese just grills real nicely on the top. Yeah, that, that I love how the cheese smells like fake news. I just don't, <laughs> and you know, this didn't happen. This is all CNN. You know, come on. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> we'll round it out by bringing uh, both uh, New Zealand and uh, the US together. The Māori All Blacks are playing the US also this weekend. Uh, and uh, in, in a double header, I think Italy is also playing uh, over here. And again, it's in Chicago. Can't remember who Italy are playing though. Uh, for the life of me, um, Italy uh, are playing. Um, are they uh, playing uh, Ireland? 
Yeah, that's right. Ireland. Uh, so the Māori All Blacks versus the USA Eagles. Uh, the USA uh, beat Scotland last year, if we all remember that. Uh, and uh, there's every chance that they're doing better than they have in previous years. I don't know necessarily that the Eagles are going to roll the a, the uh, the Māori ABs, but that might be an interesting game for Americans to clue into. Might be some yeah, uh, the, games. the New Zealand Māori to, to win this. The New Zealand Māori. You notice I, I admit the AB portion. I'm not buying that. NZRU, Adidas, AIG bullshit. There is one all-backs team. What, what's your personal gripe against that specific change? And can you talk our listeners through what's happened there and why you've taken the specific stance? Well, so you, you notice all, I mean, other than the ladies, all of the premier New Zealand rugby teams now have all-black in the name. Same with the all-black sevens, yada, yada, yada. It cheapens the jersey, and in the long term, I'm talking 20, 30, 40, 50 years, it cheapens the brand. How do we know this? The Olympics rolled around, and what were all of the, the American media trying to tell their Brian S's when we were beaten by the USA? That the USA beat the All Blacks. No, the USA did not beat the All Blacks. That's like saying Jared Hayne was a rugby player. No, he was not a rugby player. Words matter, Trump. Uh, I mean, public, you know, they did not, they beat the New Zealand Sevens team. There is one All Blacks team, one. Keep the power and the sacredness of the jersey. Don't demean it by naming every single one of their derivative teams the All Blacks. I'm not even happy with the term junior All Blacks, which is the thing we've given our second 15 as a name when it's existed formally, you know, through the 70s, 80s, 90s, and for a little bit in the 2000s. I'm not even a big fan of that. But you've got to keep it sacred, man. Otherwise, what are we? Just, just fucking animals. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I could. Uh, I mean, I, I think uh, I, I, I understand the branding. I understand that you can, you can, you can sell it. Uh, you can make a bit more money off the off the broadcasting. You can, um, you can have that umbrella brand. I get that from a, a business point of view. But, but you nailed it, Chris. It's. Uh, it's only short-term business either. It, exactly. it, it, it actually yeah. ruins your long-term business. Yep. New Zealand Maori. You sit on the stain because you, you seem to have eaten it hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. You've got pilchard in your belly, and I can smell it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't call it the, the Sevens team the All Blacks, but I have always thought the Māori All Blacks were similar to the All Blacks. I mean, obviously, it's similar but different because the Māori All Blacks are just... Uh, people of Māori descent who happen to be uh, incredibly good. We have a lot of people in our current ABs outfit that also played in the Māori All Blacks. Uh, so it's a really good filter system. Uh, it's a good way of giving the players that you know might filter into the All Blacks or into other areas of our Premiership rugby um, squads that you know, kind of exposure to travel to to get different experience. So I I don't mind calling them the Māori All Blacks. I don't call our seventeen All Blacks. I don't call um, other layers of the game, uh, all blacks either. But in this one instance, I don't mind giving them that. So uh, we're, you're saying that if we don't call them the Maori All Blacks, they won't play overseas and they won't give our young Super Rugby players a pathway. That, no, they still will. Relies on them being called the All Blacks. But I, I don't mind calling them that because to take that away, um, and it does in my mind like. Eh. Like they're, they're still wearing the same ish jerseys. They're still black. It's still got a silver fern on them. Um, and they always have. And they, they continue well. Like they're not going to change that, right? So, to take so if we away- could go back to 1997 and go to a Western Magpies game in the NRL, can we call them the Western Magpie All Blacks? Because they wore a black and white jersey? Well, they didn't have a silver fern, were they? And they weren't representing New Zealand. So you're being hyperbolic. But I, I do. That's how I do it, Dean. <laughs> yeah. That's the only way I know how. That's how you taught me. <laughs> so yeah i don't mind in this instance but i do get your point and uh i will concede that you on the soapbox largely i i agree with you mm, ego ego appropriately stroked mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah i, I think that the marty will, will will do the business will beat the usa probably not by as much as uh the actual all blacks did in chicago and soldier field uh, those those what five years ago four years ago now, um, 
uh, it was also this time of year. Uh, I think you were at that game, weren't you, Hayden? Chris and I were at that game, yeah, correct. Oh, you were there. Yeah. Which one? It's where you, where you lost, uh, lost both your gloves and, and were wearing a poncho for most of the time. Incorrect. The Māori game was played at the MLS stadium across the town. We were at the show at Soldier Field. Oh, sorry, I thought we were talking about that one. Okay. No, I was talking about that one. That, that, was, that, that was a great game, and I, it, I didn't have it ruined by another game that was there. That, that didn't happen. Click my fingers. Don't which know what you're stars. talking about. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, on my last, uh, last thing, um, there was several weeks ago, Chris, you tweeted about a player that was going to get picked for a cap that had played for the Māori, New Zealand Māori team. It was going to get picked for an overseas. I think it was by the English Union, or was it the Scottish that were picking uh, it? The Scots. The Scots have had their hand in the cookie jar on Blade Thompson. Blade mm. Thompson. Now, we get to the bottom of whether he was eligible to be picked by virtue of also playing for the Māori. Um, apparently, he is because you know if he if he's going to run out and, and he plays and he's eligible. Right. Um, apparently, I didn't get a single comment, nothing back. As you'd understand, it's not like August Lynn Peshot is going to take time out of his day to, you know, and pretending that he doesn't represent a, you know, xenophobic and cracker ass cracker union to, to tweet back at me. And I mean that allegedly, with all due respect, astrophysically. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so no, I didn't get anything back from that. But it all stems from the fact that Blade Thompson had played for the Maori. Right, which is because we don't have the junior All Blacks as a specific team anymore, which was designated our second 15. And if you all remember in the early, or sorry, mid to late 2000s, they had a rule change that said eligibility can be captured by sevens, your test team, and the next level down from your test team, which is your the English Timberwolves or whatever they're called, um, the Fran the French. Uh, grass clippings or whatever the hell that you know there's sort of six nation b teams and at the time the the australia a's and junior all blacks played in the pacific nations cup every year right that's what gave them a you know, sort of our second 15 a pathway and if you got captured in that team you would you would be ineligible to play for any other country we disbanded the junior ab's and i think 2009 2010 and at that time we said well we're making it available to the New Zealand Māori. I couldn't find, in my extensive going banana, you know, fanaticism, I couldn't find reference to that on the internet, but I know it was discussed at the time. What they may have done since then, though, is say, because it's not theoretically representative of any and all New Zealanders, that they shouldn't do that. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me because we're now ceding the right to capture our domestic talent because we don't have a team that covers 100% of New Zealanders. So now we're not allowing it to be captured for 0% of New Zealanders on a second 15 basis, which means we're leaving our super rugby stocks open to being pilfered by scumbag Celtic and English French unions who can't do it themselves. This is just completely fucked, and you will not hear a peep out of the people in the north who bitch and moan and complain about poaching Peshot himself, who has come out and said that he hates the fact that all these other nations, Pilch and Pofferin and Pilferin, Argentina is the only country that's 100% uh, white and xenophobic. I mean, um, uh, the Argentine, <laughs> you know, you know, so allegedly, allegedly. I mean, we're playing Nazis, aren't we? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> you know. The, the, in, in his mind's eye, if if there would be if there was someone who wasn't from his point of view ethnically Argentine, you get the feeling that he might say some really outlandish shit. Get the feeling, allegedly, he allegedly might say that. Keep it in your pants, IRB lawyers. No one's getting sued today. Okay, not today. But you know, it's no no one has seemed to care. I even tweeted the Herald. They didn't care. It's it's really sad. It's really, really sad that we continue, New Zealand rugby continues to prop up the entire globe with our playing and coaching talent, and no one says shit. No one's coming to help us out. No one's coming to pay us for the investment we put in these players, which is then lost to the world forever, and other countries are picking up on it. 
And this is not like finding some kid in Fiji at 16 who the Fijian Rugby Union have put no time and money in. We're talking here of Sidavini Sivavatu, of which 15, nearly 20 years ago, right? That's different. That was done by a school in New Zealand who pulled him over, pulled a 16-year-old over, no investment. When you're taking 25-year-olds who have had hundreds of thousands of dollars put into them and a lot of time and took the slot of someone else who could have been, who could have come up through the ranks, as far as I'm concerned, that's fucking bullshit. No one says anything. I don't know what to do. I, I, I'm, all, I'm almost sick and tired of hearing me say this, so I know you guys must be. But at some point, you've got to think it's got to stop. On that note. Yes. Look what you, you lift the genie out of the floor. Jack in the box. But I never tire of winding you up to hear you. <laughs> no, I, I, I think we should make a habit of always ending this podcast on a Chris rant and then just, <laughs> just, 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 just fading out. Just fade them out. Yeah. Thanks again for all joining us for another episode of Speaking in Code, a rugby podcast. Thanks, Dean. Cheers. <laughs>